This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Good morning to you. We welcome you along on this uh, Thursday morning, hoping we find you all in uh, great form. And congratulations to Marie Phelan, who is in Brook Lodge East in Glanmire. She was the winner of the Rod Stewart 3K triple play. We've been driving everybody mad, waiting for us to play the three Rod Stewart songs back to back and then Simon plays them uh, this morning. So congratulations to Marie, who also as a kind of an added bonus gets uh, two uh, tickets to go along to see Rod Stewart on Saturday. I know there's a lot of people, I was talking to some people at the weekend who are just diehard Rod Stewart fans and they're nearly weak at the thought of going along to see him on Saturday. But congratulations uh, to Marie and thank you to everybody else who tried to take part. The phone lines were absolutely nearly blew up the amount of calls that we received. Talking of calls, John Paul is taking them uh, this morning at 1850 Texting and WhatsApp is also available at 0862 There's already texts coming in to us this morning and one of them I want to mention for fear that the show gets busy and then I don't get a chance to mention it because it's to give a kind of a, a, a telling off on a word of warning to somebody who it seems on a daily basis is speeding through the town of Mill Street. Texter says, this came in early this morning, Dear Patricia, as I was walking to work in Mill Street this morning, I came across a car coming towards me down near Coleman's shop. The speed that the car was going at, it was actually going so fast I couldn't get the registration plate number. It was literally going that fast. I started to make inquiries and I was told he, so it is a guy driving it, comes through the town every morning like that at that speed and he does it at 6.40am in the morning. So 20 to 7 in the morning. So I'm assuming heading somewhere to work 7 o'clock start maybe somewhere, half 7 start Maybe he's got a longer commute. I don't know. Texter says, where are the guards when they where, when you need them? It's a light blue Ford. That's all I know. If anybody knows this person, will you please, please tell him to slow down because he's going to kill somebody on one of these mornings. OK, and obviously he's thinking there's no one around. I can speed through the town of Mill Street. Nice, wide, open road. Let's go for this. But one of these mornings, yes, yeah, somebody could. I mean, there's somebody who normally isn't out at that hour of the morning but was out earlier this morning and came across this car. But people who are regularly around seem to know and I'm assuming somebody must know who this guy is if he's going through the town every morning at the same time. So sort of half six, 20 to seven, early enough start. There isn't that many out on the roads at that hour of the morning. But he really is acting very irresponsibly because what if he got a blowout on his tyre? What if a dog or a cat run out in front of him and need to swerve to avoid if he's doing that kind of crazy speed that our listener wasn't even able to take down his licence, his registration number or the make of the car. All she realised was it was a Ford car and it was light blue in colour. If that person, maybe that person is listening, feeling a bit embarrassed at the moment, would you slow down please? We want you to look after yourself but more importantly we don't want you to kill anybody else uh, either. 1850 And Mary has sent in an interesting text to us on the fair deal scheme that I want to give out to see if anybody can offer advice to Mary on this. Patricia, I have a query about Fair Deal. While I am waiting for the funds to be released, I am paying the nursing home. I'm paying €1,200 per week for my mother's care. I'm just wondering, will I get 
refunded the money? And if so, by whom? Has anybody else come across this problem? I'd be very grateful to know and for any information. Thanking you, says uh, Mary. Mm, I haven't come across that issue before. I have come across people who were waiting to get into nursing home care, waiting on the release of the funds and there was a delay. But I haven't heard of somebody who's taken up the nursing home position, waiting for the fair deal to be sanctioned and in the meantime, the nursing home has to be paid. Will Mary get refunded? Because that's a lot of money. It's €1,200 a week for nursing home care. And I don't know how many weeks Mary is going to have to pay that until the nursing, until fair deal uh, kicks in. And when you say for the funds to be released, well, with fair deal it works the other way, isn't it? They get paid at the end, isn't it? Isn't that how fair deal works? Anyway, um, we'll put it out there to see. And if we don't get any information back, Mary, I'll try and do a bit of research for you this afternoon when I'm off air and see if I can come up with what is the possible solution and what's going to happen to you. But basically somebody who's paying the nursing home, waiting for fair deal to kick in. Will Mary be refunded all of the money? And if so, who refunds the money? Is it the owner of the nursing home refunds the money or is it the HSE refunds the money? If anybody can point us in the right direction there or where we need to go to get the advice from Mary, let us know. 1850-333-103. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to talk with the Magdonna family in Formoy. These are the family that have been living in a mobile home in the picnic area in Formoy. They have, some people are upset that this mobile home has been allowed to stay in the picnic area. Others, because we've spoken with the McDonald's before, others have had no problem at all with them, said that they've, you know, they're not interfering in any way. They're just living there. People going about their business and, you know, not put out by the mobile home parked there. We've heard from some families who say no, they won't go for their picnic there because they don't like the fact that there's a family living in the picnic area. The McDonough's say, look, we've nowhere else to go. We last spoke with them in March when their mobile home went on fire. Now, thankfully, nobody was uh, injured, but the mobile home was badly destroyed. And then we're hearing today that they have been given seven days to vacate the site. They'll join us this morning and I'm assuming what they're going to say is we've nowhere to go. What? To, where do we go from here? So we will speak with the McDonough's in a couple of minutes on the programme. We're also going to hear from one Balancholic family who this week were for, forced to launch a GoFundMe appeal. The, it's an elderly couple. They flew to the States for a celebration and the dad became unwell on the flight and he's ended up needing medical attention in the United States and now there's a job to repatriate him and get him home so there's a GoFundMe page we'll find out more about that on the programme uh, today and then between 12 and 1 today we will be previewing the Mallow Home and Garden show which officially kicks off tomorrow it'll run Friday, Saturday and Sunday of this weekend it's a wonderful wonderful event. We'll speak with some of the exhibitors that'll be exhibiting at the show and also our own Peter Dowdell will join us live in studio and he'll give us an overview of the festival, what you can expect and I'm really interested to see and hear from Peter as to how the permanent gardens are going. That's what's so unique about the Mallow Garden Festival is the fact that there are permanent gardens and the first festival was in 1999, so 20 years 
ago. And there are many people that have not missed a year at the Garden Festival. If you're one of those, then you're going along for your 20th time this year. And uh, the member for Gaza, Shikona, will join us for Crime File. By the way, we don't have our pet corner this week, Jane, unavailable uh, to join us. Instead, we will be focusing on the Mallow Home and Gardens show in the last hour. And this was the listener who contacted us, Mary, who is paying for her mother's nursing home care at the moment at a cost of €1,200 a week. She's waiting for the fair deal to kick in. And she is wondering, will she be refunded the money? And if so, who will refund her the money? Some people are taken aback. We've no advice for you yet, Mary, by the way. But some people are taken aback by the cost of the nursing home care. For example, one uh, listener says, could you please ask Mary, where is that nursing home that is charging €1,200 a week for nursing home care? Says Claire, that sounds absolutely scandalous. And somebody else is picking up on that. Mag said €1,200 per week in a nursing home. Multiplied by 52 weeks in the year. That's 62000 400 per year, says Margaret, who deems that uh, to be very expensive. Well, I can tell you that's that's fairly standard because the under fair deal, which is what Mary is waiting to kick in, the nursing home has paid €1,285 a week per resident by the state under the fair deal scheme. And that fee includes residents' contributions towards the cost of their, their care. And that was a figure that came out about two years ago, September of 2017. So I'd, it's probably in and around that. It might have gone up uh, slightly. But that's kind of, that is the going rate for nursing home care. Remember, that's 24-hour care, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It is still cheaper than somebody taking, than somebody in an acute bed in a hospital which is even more than €1,200 per week. Now, the Avondue newspaper today are leading with a story about the McDonough family who have been living for the past two years in a mobile home at the picnic area on the Cork Road in Formoy. They've now been told by Angarda Siakona that they must leave the site within seven days. John McDonough uh, once again joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Tisha. How are you getting on? Um, I'm, I'm doing well, but you're obviously not in the greatest place at the moment. Talk to me about what happened. Did the Gardaí call out in person to you and what have they said to you and Natasha? Um, the Gardaí um, called out there uh, two days ago and they just had kind of a, not a summons, kind of just a, a complaint, they said, from the council that I have to, me and Natasha and the kids have to leave and take everything out of there in seven days. And this is on order from the council? On order from the council, yeah. Now, the last time we spoke to you was back in March and that was following the fire in the mobile home that thankfully you all got out of and everybody uh, was okay. Where have you been living since the fire in the mobile? Because when I spoke to you, you couldn't go back into the mobile. It was so badly damaged. It was very badly damaged. But i tell you what happened. We got a loan of a small caravan and... I bought up uh, myself and a farm lad there for two of us took into it and we, we did back up the mobile home. So we're back living in it because at the end of the day we have no risk to go. We tried for emergency combination. We tried everywhere. We couldn't get nothing. We had no roof over our head. We were staying with families there for a couple of days beforehand with our families and after that, like I said, the council wasn't getting on to me. I rang him to come out and have a look at the place. They wouldn't come out. I rang up uh, TDs in this town here. They came out and they never did nothing. Now, at the end of the day, like, if uh, a couple of dogs there are in the shed and if they got burned inside the shed or were shipping the fire and they got out, 
there'd be a lot more things about it. Because like the husband, like the, they just don't care, isn't So you got a small caravan and you, did you leave, put that on the in the same area where yeah, the... I put, it, I put it in the same area, next to the big one. Next to the big one, okay. I just got it on over there for a couple of weeks, just the just a roof over head. And is that gone now? Oh, that's the gone. smaller one is gone. Okay, so you so, so you're back in the and did you manage to to fully refurbish the mobile home? Is it okay again? Yeah, it's back okay again. We got most of it back. We got most of it back, and we got a good bit of help as well through the first welfare and things like that. Okay. But the problem with that mobile home, John, during the winter, you were frozen. I mean, that's why you, you put the stove in, wasn't it? Yeah, that's why we put the stove in because um, the kids are forever getting sick. So we only got pneumonia inside now. Like, like people don't realise this and that, and all people do is, is complain about this and that. Now I want to say one more thing. I'm John McDonough. I'm living here in the picnic park. I'm not the lad that's living in Kilcumper out there. The two different families. So there's a lot that's of the one outside the cemetery. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people come on here after now and say this and that. Now I was never, I was never no council house, and I wouldn't refuse any houses. I was never kicked out of any house like that. Yeah, just to explain, you had been renting a property, but the landlord's daughter was coming back from Australia, wasn't it? Yeah, she came back from Australia, so like the, she moved back into the house, and she's in the house since. Yeah, yeah, and you've like, been now. We reference, we reference, we've everything. Like I said, with the whole, like I said, there's never a hassle or anything like that. And after the fire, were you offered emergency accommodation, John? No, I tell you what happened. I ring up um, everywhere. I ring up Mallard House and come on to me and try for emergency accommodation and things. And he said, I have to do it. I they don't do this. So I tried every place here in Cork, Mitchelltown, Kilward, Fermoy, uh, Milton, Cork City. Couldn't get none. And I said, look, I've no place to go. So I said, look, you have to look for So they tried the whole Cork. They tried everything. They couldn't get it either. But... He came back to me then with one place in Limerick that put her, put her two kids into one house, one place, and put me and two kids in a different place. Like, and like, how could we split up the family after what we went through? Like, we were nearly dead the night. Like, I didn't want to put us in two different places. That was two hotels, was it? To get two, two separate? Oh, yeah, two, two separate places. Yeah. Place. Okay. Yeah, because, but John, that is going to be a problem for emergency accommodation. Very hard to get. I suppose you could get adjoining rooms in a hotel, but it's hard for for two adults and four children. What age are the children? So my oldest is six, a six or five, and a four and a three, and another one on the way. You have another one on the way. Yeah. So, like you said, like I know it's hard. It is hard, like you said, to get emergency combination things like that for families. Thing, but sure, look. I have kids going to school here in Farmway, like I said. Uh, I have two girls going to presentation school here in Farmway. And like I said, my, there's two or three of my children that are sick at the minute there, like I said. And the doctors are from my. So how, how can I go to Limerick and come back from Limerick every morning, bring the kids up here to Farmway, come to school and go back down to Limerick and leave? You want to stay in Fomoy, yeah, I can I understand that. And you and you have family uh, roots and, and links in, in Fomoy. Doctor reports there the whole lot. So my kids are up and down to see doctors there every, every week. Up and down, like and up and down the hospital, there are appointments in the whole lot. So, like I said, I'm from this town, like I said, I'm part of this town. Right? How long are you on the housing waiting list? We're on it, seven, seven years, we're on it. And, and you, you know that there are a lot of people on housing waiting lists. The houses are Why just, are just not available. Not, look, look, like I said, we're not look. We're not looking to jump anyone and get houses in front of anyone and all that. Like I said, look, I don't even have to get a house in from my. If I got a house a couple a mile or two miles outside from my, look, I'd be willing to travel in and out. And another thing, the council here in um, Mallow, right? I and mean, then they get they got money for a grant there for travellers. So they got so many million look after travellers. They're supposed to be looking after money, but like in fifteen years here, there's only one house, two houses given to travellers in fifteen years in from my. 
Would you take if if you got it? Would you take a serviced site, John? Or is it? Look, all I want. Look, I'm not looking. Like we're not looking for no like these fancy houses or this and that and the whole and big places. We're looking for a home, a roof overhead, toilets and showers and water. That's all we're looking for, isn't it? Whatever else has. And how is Natasha doing? Oh, she's stressed out her head. Sure. The kids are still waking up every night there. Sure. Like, we can't even sleep at night time there half the time because like, you're afraid of like, what happened the last time, isn't it? The children are having nightmares because of the fire. Yeah, they're still having nightmares over, over the fire. Like you said, like, it was the whole family there, like I said, and then he comes back. Like, what I can't get out is they didn't, give, they didn't care about us if we were born or we were dead inside the caravan. They didn't care. Now, they never... They, being here, we're going to freeze, and all of a sudden now, like I said, she comes back after a um, couple of days, a couple of months, and then they told they went back to fix that. And John, what's going to happen next week? You've been given seven days. I tell you what's going to happen. Now. We're not, we're not, we're not moving out here. It's really simple as that. And it's looking. If you want to come on and arrest me and this and that and the whole they can do what they want to do because at the end of the day where am I going to go like I said with a mobile home I don't want me pulling it down the back of the port houses or pulling around parks around for my you know like that if it comes to this in. You've nowhere to go basically is you know, I have nowhere to go like I said I'm only in here because it's safe for, for the children even thinks that I want to be in here we don't want to be in here at the end of the day like I said there's no um, living conditions in here either, because there's no water in here and like I said there's no toilets no nothing here and, and and I'm quite taken aback, uh, John, to hear that Natasha's pregnant again. You've another you've another baby on the way. Yeah, we have another baby on the way, though, isn't it? Was that the was that the and I'm not one to judge, but was that the wisest move when you don't have secure accommodation for for the four that you already have? I wouldn't like push a look. These things happen, no? and you you just see the child as another blessing. Listen, I'm, I've, I'm not. I shouldn't even have brought that up. I'm sorry. My apologies. I'm not. I'm not. It's. It, that's. I'm, I'm not the contraception police. Uh, listen. Okay. So you're. You're in. You're in this situation now where you have nowhere to go. You basically have nowhere to go. Like I said, like council, like like all I'm saying, like if say, if there was a shit somewhere with dogs inside and the place up on fire, like I said, there'd be council out and there'd be people out in the hall. We were nearly dead here. Not one council came around us. All they did tell us was to ring us. They didn't even ring us. Tell you the truth. I had to ring them and they wouldn't answer the phone. Left messages after messages on the phones. Like, and all they'd be is telling me smart on the phone when you get through to John, we'll stay in contact with you. In... Oh, 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 sorry, one more yeah. thing. And now look, they have, to get, they have to get a load of money over there in the council there for, for looking after people there. And they, they give it back there a couple of years ago. They have it again there now. So they're more the line of them to be and looked after people that who need to be looked after. And like I said, even if they got some place for me to put the caravan here, just pilots and water and looks, that, that'll do me, isn't it? Okay. All right, John, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you for the, uh, for that and uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, John McDonough, who uh, continues to live at that picnic area on the Cork Road in Formoy, but has seven days to uh, vacate along with his uh, now pregnant wife and the four children under the age of uh, six. It's a shocking um, situation to be in, but I am very conscious and very aware that he's, they're not the only family on a housing list for longer than seven years. He's been on the housing list. There are many others on housing lists. Uh, we have a housing crisis, unfortunately, but now where does he go? What does he do? The Gardaí are saying they're acting on behalf of the council. We'll find out from the council what exactly it is is going on. But where do they go? What's the solution? A melancholic family have launched a GoFundMe campaign to raise money to fly their dad home from the States following a serious illness. Uh, Karen Hogan uh, joins me with more. Good morning to you, Karen. 
Good morning, Patricia. Now, Karen, your dad, Pete O'Neill, was flying to America along with your mother, Cathy. It was at the start of May. And explain why. They were going for a double celebration. They were. They were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary wow. and my dad's 80th birthday. Wow. And yeah. he became unwell on the flight over. Yes. Yeah, he he uh, suffered a hemorrhagic stroke Whoa. about two to three hours out from Miami. They were flying into Miami. Um, so he he got up out of his seat to go to the bathroom. They were sitting at the very back of the plane and he came back and he stumbled back and he fell into his seat and he just said to my mom, I can't get into the bathroom. I don't know why I can't step over the lip of the door. And within seconds, his left arm and his left leg um, became immobile and he couldn't feel anything from them. So the air hostess brought over two doctors. There happened to be a surgeon and a GP from Dublin on the plane. And they came over and they sat with him and they made him comfortable and they prepared him from paramedics. But there was really nothing they could do on the plane for him. Was he so, conscious throughout? He was conscious throughout, yes, he was, yeah. God, um, a scare, scary thing for him and for your mother. Yeah, it was very frightening for them, yeah. Um, and then they were met off the plane by the paramedics who brought them both in the ambulance to Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami. So it was it was a very frightening experience for both of them. And there was just the two of them travelling on their own? That's all. Yeah. So he has, I'm assuming, received great medical attention since. Oh, absolutely. The the medical team in Miami couldn't have been better. They really looked after him. He he um, developed pneumonia and pulmonary edema while he was in the hospital, and they took care of all that. So he's he has recovered from all of that. So he's medically stable at the moment, and they just couldn't have done enough for him. They couldn't have done any more for him. And um, what has your your wise. mother been doing in the meantime? It has been very hard on her. She spent the first three days in intensive care on a chair uh, with no bags, no clean clothes, no food, no bed, nothing. And then we got my sister out there and she arranged to bring her to a hotel. So she's going back to the hotel for a few hours at night to sleep and then she's going back into the hospital. Yeah, yeah. And my dad has been moved out of ICU now, but he's in medium care ICU, so... He's progressively getting better, but he needs to get home. He needs to get into rehab. They won't do rehab on him there because the insurance has denied the claim. Now, but just explain explain what's happened. He did have travel insurance. He did have travel insurance. He did, yes. Um, uh, but they denied the claim based on the fact that my dad had, they said he had a similar pre-existing condition. So a couple of years ago, dad had a couple of mini strokes. Um, that were caused by a blood clot. Um, and he's on medication for that, so he is at a very reduced risk of getting another blood clot. Mm. Um, but he got a bleed. Uh. Which, um, there's a lot of controversy over, it's, it's the opposite of a blood clot, so yeah, there's a lot yeah. of controversy over whether um, he should have been covered or not. God help him. So, but and just when you need travel insurance to kick in, they decide to the computer decides to say no. So he's he's is he ready now for travel home, Karen? Yeah, they wanted to discharge him on Monday, um, but we asked them. We needed seventy two hours to get because we're trying to get him home by ourselves. Okay. So we had to do all the medical clearance and fitness fitness to fly, and it needed seventy two hours after that happened. 
to get him on a plane. So we asked the hospital if they would keep him on for Friday. They've agreed to do that, but Great. he's effectively finished all medical care. Okay. So um, it's tomorrow you're hoping to get him on a plane? Barring any complications, yeah. he is, there's a flight booked for him tomorrow. Um, he has to fly in business class because he'll, he has to lie down. Yeah. And he can't do that, obviously, in an ordinary chair. So he has one of the seats that lays out flat. So, um, so hence the cost of repatriating him. It's It's not just a normal buy a return flight uh, ticket. No, uh, it's, no. It's more costly. So you've done a GoFundMe campaign. How is that going for you, Karen? Oh, it's going fantastic. I, we're, we're just so overwhelmed. It was probably the hardest thing we've had to do. We found ourselves, we felt very, very vulnerable putting it out there. Um, but the response we've had from people has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, people have just been so thoughtful and so kind and so generous. And we, we just can't believe um, how much people care. Yeah. It really has and overwhelmed it, us. It always blows me away, the kindness of strangers. We, you know, we expect our own to look after us, but it's, it's, when, it's the kindness of strangers is incredible, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. People have been absolutely amazing in, in, in every way, in, in their thoughts, in their prayers, in their messages, in their, you know, as well as making donations and people have been looking up asking what can they do or how can they help out and people are amazing. They really are. When the chips are down, people are there for you. So what time is the flight tomorrow? The flight is leaving at 20 to 11 tomorrow night and it should be in Dublin at 10 past, 10 past 12 Saturday afternoon. Okay. And then the the plan for your dad then? We've arranged for an ambulance to bring him to court and originally we were finding it extremely difficult to get him into any place because he's not in the Irish system. Our only option was to land him in A&E so he could essentially get assessed and be put on a waiting list for rehab. But we have had so many people working really, really hard. We think we may have secured him a bed in CUH. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, So that's really the best outcome we could have looked for. Okay. And the GoFundMe page is, where is the GoFundMe page? Uh, Please help to bring Dad home. Please help to bring Dad home. Isn't that great? Do you you have to cover the cost of the medical care in the States? Yes. You do? Yeah. Do you know how much that is? We, um, We have not received any bills yet, so we don't know. I have researched it online and it looks like the average cost uh, for stro- for care for a patient with a stroke is coming in at about twenty four thousand dollars. Okay, oh, that's not and too bad. That's that's doable. That, that's doable. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll we'll worry about that another day. Let's get him home first. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Let's get him home first. That's so please priority. help to bring Dad home. Uh, if anybody would like to donate uh, through GoFundMe, uh, please do. And uh, Karen, we might hook up with you again after the weekend just to see how your dad is doing, if you wouldn't mind. Of course. Yeah, it would be, it would be yeah. great. Listen, pass on our best wishes uh, to him and uh, to your lovely mum, Cathy, as well, and, and tell him we're, we're thinking of them all and keeping them in our thoughts and prayers. I will, of course, Patricia. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. Mind yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. As tough on the family, uh, please help to bring dad home. If you have a few bob that you'd like to spare on the go, that's on the GoFundMe page, please help them out. Uh, we'll, um, we'll, and please God, everything will go according to plan. And uh, Pete will get home at the weekend along with uh, Cathy. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
The Mallow Home and Garden Show, which is Munster's biggest outdoor festival. It's on the Cork Race Course in Mallow. Opens tomorrow, Friday and runs through on Saturday and uh, Sunday. And every day this week, we are looking for a qualifier for a competition in association with the Mallow Home and Garden Show and Co-op Superstores in Mallow. We're giving away this prize of a Hampton three-seater corner lounging set, which comes with the sofa, an ottoman and a coffee table. You have to guess the guest on the sofa. Now, don't do anything yet, but just listen. Who is this? We've never really picked up any, anything um, anything too serious. If you're doing it right, you you can use it for injury prevention nearly. It's Oh, I have to work out which one it is there. I'll have to check, out that. I'll have to check the answer to that one with uh, John Paul. Anyway, that's today's guest guest that was joined us on the programme at some stage. He was a former guest of the programme. You have to work out the person's name and in the next hour we will tell you how you enter the competition and your chance to become today's qualifier. Uh, then you'll join. We've three qualifiers so far. You'll become the fourth. We'll have one more to go tomorrow. We'll make the draw before the close of the programme tomorrow and somebody will be winning that wonderful Hampton three-seater corner lounging set compliments of the Mallow Home and Garden Show and Corp Superstores in at Mallow so we'll play that clip again in the next hour so hold your thoughts on that one please and of course in the next hour we are going to be previewing this year's Garden Festival and Peter Dowdle will actually be joining us live and we'll also be speaking with some of the exhibitors who are taking part in this year's festival that's all coming up between 12 and 1 today now let me go back to some of your thoughts coming in particularly with regard to my interview in the last hour with John McDonough John and his family, uh, along with his wife Natasha and their four children, living in the mobile home in the at the picnic area in Fromoy, and they've now been given a week, according to John by the council, to vacate the site. But he's got nowhere to go. He says, you know, they can arrest him. He literally has nowhere to go with the mobile uh, home. Now, when I was chatting with John and we were talking about the four children they're all under the age of six they're, they're smallies they're, 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 they're little ones John also said that Natasha his wife was uh, pregnant Mary and Clonakilty says do people not think anymore they knew that they'd nowhere to live why are they deciding to have another child and Caroline in Canturk says why did Trish ask was it wise to get pregnant again Caroline thought it was a very judgmental question on my behalf uh, and it was you're right and I apologised to John I shouldn't have asked I think I just got taken aback when he said that, that there was another baby on the way my, my, I think my instant reaction and is judgmental the right word to use yes it probably is my instant reaction was there's four smallies already living in this mobile home that's freezing in the winter you know they've put their, they had to put the stove fire in to try and warm it up that's what caused the mobile home uh, to go on fire and it just my heart kind of sank when I thought they're they're a young couple under an a lot of pressure with four children and the thought of another baby arriving but yes it was judgmental of me and I did I actually did I don't know Caroline whether you jumped in when I'd asked the question and you didn't hear the end bit I did actually apologise to John it was wrong of me uh, to say why why are you pregnant uh, again even though there's a few other listeners, some listener on faith on WhatsApp uh, was saying that they they can't believe that there's another child uh, on the way and that I was right to ask the question. Yeah, but is that is that me judging and saying you should only have four children because you don't have a roof over your head? If you've got to bear in mind that they're members of the travelling community, and it 
would you call it a tradition within the travelling community? They have very large families. People in settled communities, not to say that settled families don't have a lot of children, but certainly it's something you see more of in the travelling community than you would see in the settled community. And I would know of friends of mine, even family members, who would love to have had a big family, but for whatever reason, couldn't, wouldn't and didn't. And, and some on that on those grounds that they couldn't afford to have any more children, wasn't enough space in the house would certainly have been a reason. And one person, one very good friend of mine who would love to have had more children, but just felt they didn't have the room in the house to, to have any more. Someone else by WhatsApp says that that family, the McDonough's, knew no that they can go into a halting site. They should not be in the picnic area in Formoy and also the other mobile home, which has nothing to do with the McDonough family at the graveyard, Kilcrumper uh, graveyard, should also be removed. It is uh, disgraceful. Well, when you say that family know they can go into a halting site, John McDonough, who I spoke with today, clearly states they're not looking for a mansion. If they could get a house in Formoy, even outside of Formoy, they would uh, take it. But I've spoken with John on many, many occasions since they've moved into that picnic area over the last uh, two years. And a serviced site is exactly what they were looking for. He would willingly move into a serviced site. There isn't a serviced halting site available in Formoy. I know that is one of the problems and that's what he was talking about that the council have received you know, central funding for traveller accommodation which includes halting sites but a lot of local authorities around the country have opted not to put in serviced sites because they always find it very difficult to find a location for the sites. Nobody wants to live near a serviced halting site and as soon as they, you know, a council tried to buy property to build either a halting site or to build houses for members of the travelling community, there's local objections. So the kind of the councillor, damned if they do or damned if they don't. So you're wrong to say that they don't want to move into a halting site. They do. And John said it again on the programme this morning that he's not looking for a mansion and that he would willingly move into a halting site once he had, you know, running water and toilets um, and toilet facilities and showers, uh, etc. So, you know, he will, he, uh, he's not looking for a mansion. He, he did, he clearly uh, said uh, that. And just while we're on to, I don't know if John McDonough is related in any way to Ke- Kelly McDonough Monaghan, but somebody says when I was talking with John, it just put them in mind of, remember Kelly McDonough Monaghan, who again we spoke with many times on the programme. She was in The Voice of Ireland. She got, she was runner up to, was she runner up to Keith Handley that year? Fabulous, fabulous singer. Uh, listener is wondering, does she's originally from the Fomoy area, she's still singing. I don't know. I actually don't know. I haven't. I'll, I'll see if I can. If anybody knows, is is Kelly still singing? She was a fantastic singer, and no doubt, it still is a fantastic singer. I don't know what happened though uh, with her career. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. A quick mention to Horgan's Pharmacy in Canturk. They're holding a coffee morning this morning. It's for cancer services. Gary was on asking us if we would give that a mention. And I also, Catherine was on earlier to say, Patricia, would you give a mention, please, to Castle Magna Dawn Chorus Walk? 
It's on this Saturday morning, 25th of May, uh, 4.30am. It's in its 10th year, starting at Castle Magna Community Centre, incorporating Castle Magna Castle and the beautiful Ballyhass uh, Lakes. The walk is roughly three miles long. You're asked to please wear appropriate foot footwear barbecue breakfast afterwards in the community centre. Admission is €10, which does include breakfast. All are very welcome. That sounds like a lovely, lovely morning. Get up nice and early. You'll you'll feel great after it. I love the idea of the barbecue breakfast uh, after. So it's Castle Magna Dawn Course Walk this Saturday. The latest jobs on C103. Official media partner of the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 2nd. Get working now to run the full half or relay. More details at c103.ie Housekeeper is required for the Butterfant area. Some cooking will be involved, while electricians are wanted for contracts starting soon around the city and county. All of your certs must be up to date. The Lep Inn, they've got a vacancy for a full-time experienced chef, while a block layer is wanted to partner up or to help with one-off houses. You may also, it may also suit a semi-retired person. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Uh, Mallow-based writer and uh, actor uh, Stephanie Preisner is probably best known as the creator of the hit comedy series, drama series Can't Cope, Won't Cope. She's also had huge success with her first book Why Can't Everything Just Stay the Same which went on to become a bestseller. Well, she's gone and done it again and Stephanie joins me in studio to discuss her latest book Can I Say No? Good morning to you, Stephanie. Good morning. It's so lovely to be actually in studio. It is great. It's terrific because we've interviewed you before and it's always over the phone. Firstly, thank Thank you for saying yes and coming into the studio and doing the interview. Do you like all this press stuff or is it just something you kind of have to get out of the way and do to get the book so out So being there? brutally honest, yeah. like I love, this I love because I'm back in Mallow, I'm chatting to you, but it's bizarre. Like it's not a natural situation to be like going around to TV studios and radio studios and talking about yourself and your book and it can be quite self-distancing talking about yourself in the third person for a lot of time you know yeah. and you just kind of want to I, I just spend my evenings now very quietly like watching television and not it's also I think a little bit dangerous because your ego gets so pumped up that you're like I'm the king of the world I can do anything and I, I'm never safe when I'm in those because I, wa- I watched you on the late late and, and you were excellent uh, but then I just thought my god the publisher is going to absolutely murder I mean you what you, you said to people you should don't, don't buy the book buy the you book. know it's okay to say no don't buy my book that's not the idea of what you're doing you no need to- <laughs> that's the thing and the publisher was like I think you might be the first author we've ever had to go on the late late show and tell people not to buy your book but it's also in the spirit of now that wasn't planned and it did kind of slip yeah, out you could like, see that I think that like we do live in a world that is so full of shoulds you know like you should you know be exercising this many times a week you should be drinking this much water you should breastfeed you should not breastfeed you should do this you should do that you should and like I have a pile of books next to my bed that I call the pile of hope but more and more it's like it's turning from hope into guilt because I don't get the time to read them. And when I buy a book, I feel like I'm inadvertently buying the time to read the book, which is not true. And, you know, 
we gather all these tools. It's actually like Lidl. You know, the middle aisle of Lidl. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I go in there and I'm like, I need a hammer. So I buy a hammer. And then I'm like, oh God, and there's a drill and a chainsaw. And I'm gathering all these tools around me. That you're never but going to use. I haven't even used the hammer in the first yeah. place. And if you don't know how to use a hammer, it's actually quite dangerous to use a chainsaw. So if you're gathering all these self-help tools around you, because everyone on Instagram and the Late Late Show was telling you, you should buy this book. It just ends up being a burden. And I don't want my book to be next to somebody's bed <laughs> but you being see, a burden. You see, we all have that pile of books that we one day dream of. Mine is I land on a desert island and I don't know how the books are going to get there with me, but they will. And I will read them all one day. We all we all do that. So don't worry about it. You don't have to in any way, anyway, feel guilty about that. Now, I read I read this book and I actually read it while I was off at, at Easter break. It was it was my holiday read and I really did enjoy it because normally I'm forced to read books. I actually enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed it. But I nodded the, to an awful lot of this book. What is it about us that we feel we have to say yes why do we are we afraid that we will offend if we say no I feel like we believe we're not enough just as we are and that people only want to be our friends because we do stuff for them Mm. and I feel like we swim in a culture of like not enough I'm not enough I, I won't you know like I used to be the girl who would like drive I would choose not to drink on a night out so I could drive everybody home because I felt like if I did that, then they'd definitely invite me out because I had a purpose. And or I would be, you know, like buying you phone credit so that you would text me back because I didn't believe that, like, without doing that, you might just want to hang out with me just because of who I am. And I feel like we do things to please other people to make sure that we are loved and included and worthy because we don't understand that our worth is not tied to how compliant we can be. And I think that might be a social thing. I think girls are socialised, particularly girls are socialised that way. Although I was on Classic Hits yesterday with uh, PJ and Jim and Jim is also a people pleaser, which was interesting because I don't meet a lot of men who identify as people pleasers. Yeah, I think I think we women are more people pleasers than but men. But I think it's because like our school rules, like it says in the book, like the school rules are like, be nice, be kind, share, look out for your friend. And we're crafted into these like little caregivers, you know, who put everyone else's needs ahead of their own. And I'm sure anyone listening, like everyone knows some adult daughter who's like running around to her mother and her mother-in-law and her neighbour doing grocery shopping, wrecked, like run off her feet. And, you know, like how she keeps going is like the third secret of Fatima, but she is absolutely wrecked. And I think I don't, really want that for my life I don't think that being a people pleaser makes me happy and I think I am more of an asset to my friends and family when I am happy Yeah absolutely Do you think it goes back to because because it it ran throughout your your first book as well uh, being an only child there will be lots of people who are an only child listening to this going oh I'm not a people pleaser but I do think that's the key. I think it's because you're an only child. But it is definitely a huge factor because as an only child, Patricia, like if you're not a good friend, you're going to be very lonely. So you learn very quickly. I have to make friends to have people populating my life. And what makes people want to be my friend? It's not saying no. Like as a kid, if you say no a lot, they'll just exclude you, you know? I had mm. this secret language with my mum so that I didn't have to be the one to say no. So, like, 
I used to hang out up in Springwood a lot and there was loads of kids up there on the green where I used to get babysat. And, you know, during the day they'd be like, oh, do you want to come to my house for a sleepover tonight? Or do you want to come to hurling practice or whatever? And mam would then drive into Springwood to pick me up from my minders and I'd run over and all the kids would run over too, waiting for me to ask. And I'd be like, mam, Ashling wants me to go to Camogie later. And if I phrased it, Ashling wants me too. That means you didn't then want to Then mum would know that she could. She had to say no for me. Yeah. And then she'd be like, no, no, you can't. And then I'd be like, oh, damn. And then so head she got, with her yeah. happy out. And as soon as an adult says it, well, then you can't go and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And so I think my mum got a reputation for being like really strict and like not letting me do anything. Whereas actually I didn't want to do anything. And then there were things that she encouraged. I won't say forced, but like encouraged me to do that I wish I hadn't done. Um. But she was just trying to, I think she feels guilty. Now I was talking to her, she read the book and she was like, I shouldn't have made you go to your dad's and I shouldn't have made you go to your junior <laughs> or disco. And I was like, ah, I'm sure then I just would have written a book about how I regret not going to any of those things. You can't do anything right. <laughs> but older people have a great ability to say no. Mm-hmm. And you have the most wonderful relationship with, with your Nana. And I just love when you put stuff up on, on Twitter about her. But she, older people are well able to say no. Oh, yeah. But I think you, she's 91, right? And I came into the house when I was writing the book and I was like, I wonder if Nana has the same thing. So I came in, in around the corner. She's sitting in the chair. She always sits in, making uh, eating her salmon dinner. And I said, Nana, I'm writing this book about saying no. And I'm just wondering, like, have you ever said yes to something that you fundamentally didn't want to do? And she went silent for a minute. And then, as she usually does, thinking. And then she lifted her head and looked at me and said, I don't have time to be thinking about that right now. I just want to eat my dinner and sit down and watch more and die. <laughs> and I was like, look at her. Like, she just doesn't yeah. care. Um, Ryan, I was on the Late Late Show and Ryan Toberty asked her personally if she would come and be in the audience. Great. No. Just didn't know. Just no. Just full stop. No. no is a full sentence. I'll watch it at home sort I'll of thing. see more of it at home and I can roll on the ads. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. Like, but I just hope that like for myself that I don't have to wait to get to 91. To yeah, be that uncompromising. I know. I know. You know? Because I do still find it hard. She she writes down the scores of Strictly Come Dancing. Oh my God, she writes down the scores of everything. We watch Ireland's Got Talent. Now we're watching Britain's Got Talent. Every night the notebook comes out. It's like and she writes notes. Yeah, did notes. She, I was thinking, did she watch the Eurovision? She did, yeah. Did she? <laughs> so she'll write down each each country, their song and a few little thoughts she had on them. Okay. And then she'll come back to it. Now it's easier with Strictly because it starts off with, let's say, 10 dancers and they yeah. become less throughout the season. But when it's X Factor, we start and there's 10 people per episode and she gets attached to someone and you never see them again. And what, these are like copybooks full of notes? Her notebook. She has yeah. a notebook. She's kept a diary every single day of her life since she was like 16 or something. Wow. Just like this, I did this, Mary rang, Steph called for coffee, we had chicken wings, you know, <laughs> more and dahi. And are they episode. all kept? Are they all stored at home? Does yeah, she have they're them? all yeah. Up, in her, up in her shelves. Yeah. Isn't that terrific? She's amazing. Isn't it? Do you keep a diary? I keep a day journal. It's part of my saying no thing, actually. I keep a day journal so I don't go out to Google calendars, you know, it's all written yeah, down. Yeah. And so if I go into a meeting, because I find it hard to say no, I will, people will say like, oh, would you do this thing for me on Thursday? And I say, oh God, I haven't got my diary with me. Can you leave that with me and I'll check? And then it buys me a bit of time so that I can come back and say no or else yes. I think that's one of the greatest tips actually. And I know you say this isn't a self-help book, but I I think for people, and I I fess up and say I'm one of the people pleasers, it's a great book to read. I think one of the greatest tips is that, is the delay tactic. When somebody asks you to do something and deep down you think, oh God, I don't want to do this. 
rather than offend and just say no straight out, yeah. which we should be able to do but won't, that delay tactic is great. Can I get back to you on that sort of thing? Yeah. Isn't it? And it's easier then. And it also means that you don't, because what is really difficult is surviving that moment of saying no and seeing it on somebody's face. And it's like that moment in The Simpsons when Ralph's heart breaks in real time and you can see it happening. But I still struggle to say no to someone's face because I feel like, oh God, they hate me. I've disappointed them. I'm terrible. So buying a little bit of time, getting a bit of space so that you can come back to them on the phone or in an email and just say, listen, I looked and it's just not going to work. I'm sorry about that. Can we look at it again another time or something? Um, Buying yourself time is always great because I also find, like, I'm an introvert and an extrovert. If there's a word for it, it's called ambivert. And sometimes when I'm extroverted, I feel on top of the world. I feel like I could do anything. And what's very dangerous then is that extroverted Stephanie will commit introverted Stephanie to doing something that she's incapable of doing because there are days when, like, Particularly like now that I'm on this media tour and I'm, I'm like, I get so depleted that like meeting someone for a coffee is just one bridge too far, you know. And but two weeks ago, I would have committed to it and I really would have wanted to do it. So I just need to be a little bit careful not to throw introverted Stephanie under a bus when I'm feeling <laughs> particularly energetic. Are, are you able to return food in a restaurant easily? Not easily. Oh, my no. God, it only happened the other day. And I very rarely do it because something would want to be extremely egregious for me to be like, hang on, I need to send this back. But the other day, I just thought I have to practice what I've been preaching here. Like, And the soup was cold and the chicken was actually freezing on the inside. Like it had been frozen and then was microwaved. And I just sent that back and was like, and very politely, you know, because nobody yeah. intends to send you dirty food. Um, so I just said, like, I'm really sorry, but I just wouldn't be able to eat that. Is there any chance I could get something else? Um, but Irish people, I think, particularly are very bad about sending back food like they'll. And even the waitress comes along and is like, is everything OK for you here? And you're fine. like, yeah, yeah, fine. And then she walks away and you're like, oh, God. Duh, 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 duh. And yeah. then you pay for it and then you're resentful. But I don't like carrying those little resentments around. So it's much easier to just say the thing resolve the situation and then you go out thinking huh that was a fine encounter yeah, and I'll go yeah, back there again yeah and, and it does it gets easier the more you do it but it's just yeah. that initial but what about people saying no to you I mean you don't take take offence if somebody if, if, if you if someone says no to you do you no I don't God almighty you wouldn't want to as an actor like I've had so yeah. many no's in my life Um when someone says no to me sometimes I you know it does you're kind of a little bit disappointed maybe sometimes but ultimately you understand and what I think is dangerous is well now in work situations like the agent that I have I'm with the Lisa Richards agency um, in Dublin and they said no to me twice and um, I kept going back because you know I felt like I was evolving and each time I went back I was offering something different because my skill set had changed but there is something about the narrative that I think Hollywood projects a lot which is that no eventually leads to yes if you work hard enough particularly in a romantic sense and I think that's quite dangerous mm. Um, uh, I think we need to sort of like open up a discussion about taking no for an answer when it comes to romance and consent and the way that I can help that I feel a responsibility as a screenwriter not to create any more scripts where someone is pursuing someone romantically and gets several no's that eventually lead to a yes because I think no is a very powerful word word, but you should use it when you mean it and when you hear it you should take it seriously and I think that that's kind of the message of can I say no is that you don't always have to say no but you do always have to feel like you could and it would be respected Mm. 
and that's not just in romance that's in 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 work and in friendships and in your own personal life it's about power and if you feel like you can't say no it's such a powerless feeling it's really not nice you have a really wise head on, the, <laughs> on those young shoulders. Um, the the do you get a buzz out of walking into shops and seeing your book on the shelf? The shops when people don't know who you are and you walk in and there have you? I do. Like it's kind of cool, and I do this thing called secret signing, which I put up on Instagram. Then, so if I walk into a shop, I have a pen with me, yeah, and I'll just sign one book secretly, yeah, and then write like so: enjoy the read, Steph, and then hashtag secret signing, and then people oh. like. And then I'll be like, I just signed a book in, you know, yeah. bookstation in Tala. And then someone on Instagram, maybe that day, maybe the next day will find it and then be like, oh, my God, I found a secretly signed book. It's like Willy Wonka and the Golden Tickets. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I love I'm loving Instagram at the moment because it's so lovely to be able to connect with readers. Like because before I imagine a writer would write a book and it was only really like newspaper critics that would ever tell them how they felt. But like. I get to actually speak to people who connect to the book and who have similar experiences yeah, of like great. trauma from sharing crayons at school and, um, you know, people who also loved Sabrina the Teenage Witch or Sister Sister. It's just lovely to like be able to connect with people on a personal level. That's great. I remember Maeve Binchy, Lorsha Mercer, the wonderful Maeve Binchy saying when her first book came out and she was so excited about the book coming out and she used to go into bookshops and she'd put them out the front and she'd yeah. very quickly and then she'd run back out again. And then she'd and, 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 and then she'd pass the next day and another book would have gone in front. She'd go back in again and she'd fix it. And I just thought it was the, it was the, it was, it was the sweetest thing. I'm looking you, forward to the day that I find my book in a charity shop. Oh yeah. I haven't yeah, seen that, it. No, there'll be a while for yeah. that to happen it'll be a while you live in Dublin but is is Mallow still home ah uh, yeah um, there was a, actually a piece in the examiner last week that I really lo- like sometimes people do interviews and you're like oh grand they did their job but Siobhan Howe from the examiner did an interview about how Mallow is still home and it really touched me because I met her just after the book signing and I was just so full of gratitude for everyone who came into Easton's in Mallow and, 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 and bought the book and wanted me to sign the book and there's a sense of community here that you just don't get in Dublin because of, you know, the vast and yeah. Dis- yeah, and how just yeah, how vast it is. And you know, this morning like I, I rushed out of the house yesterday in Dublin and I forgot my jeans and then I was able to like run up to my friend in Cairn Woods, Julie, and be like, Julie, do you have a pair of jeans that I can borrow? So I'm wearing <laughs> Julie's jeans today. Thank Thanks. you, Julie. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Um and yeah, there's just such a sense of community and support. And my mom lives here and I'm very grateful to the community that she has around her because it means that I feel like when I'm in Dublin, she's got her own little life down here. She's not lonely. She doesn't need, you know, and that's a really nice. You don't nice, have the guilt. Exactly. Yeah. It's a really nice feeling. Um, we have amazing neighbours in the leeches next door and it does always feel like like home. Like I can just wake up in the morning, put on my tracksuits, go for a walk around town. I don't have to be anyone. I don't have to prove anything. It's just my home. And oh, I love it. Well and done. it's lovely to see like new businesses popping up yeah. each time I come home and I think Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think it's a town that's really like, apart from the bottleneck traffic. Like, it, Don't mention it, the plaza. Don't mention the plaza. Really, yeah. Other than that, it's, it's a lovely town. And what are you working at at the moment? What's, what's so next apart from for this, Stephanie Prisner? Um, apart from this I'm I'm waiting so I'm doing this book tour and then I'm going on holidays for a week and then I'm writing a new show for the BBC so I'll be over in London for a little while doing that OK well good luck with it the book is terrific it's available as they say in all good bookshops can I say no by There's a couple a st- of signed copies in Easton's in Mallow if anyone yeah, Not secretly they're there Yeah they're and I'll on go display. into Phillips and maybe secretly sign Decide, a Please well. do Please do Listen thanks a million Pleasure to have had you in uh, studio Good luck with the book and we look forward to seeing you again soon Thank you Good morning This is the Cork Today replay on C103. To band and the station where I'm joined by Garda James uh, O'Donovan for this week's uh, Garda File. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. OK, let's start with an appeal for some information, starting with the theft of a rock breaker. Yes, um, Patricia, this happened on the, the 9th of May last in 2019 in the Belgooley area of uh, Cork, uh, basically a rock breaker was taken from the rear of an open back lorry while it was parked in Belgooley and I suppose the owners were at the back of the house where they were carrying out work and this item was removed. Now this would have happened in the middle of the day so we're appealing for anyone who may have been in the Belgooley area on the Thursday the 9th of May to contact the Gardaí in Bandon with any information that they so, may have. Uh, so a brazen enough theft in that anybody could have walked along and, and spotted what they were doing? Without a doubt, I suppose, it would have been fairly noticeable. And I suppose people need to be aware, too, that um, a lot of these people that are removing property are nearly dressing up as if they are part of the working crew. Yeah. They probably have flares and jackets on, a hard hat, and they, people might pay, pay no heed to it. But I suppose this would have been done fairly fast, put into a van and moved off. So we're just asking people that if they were in the area and they might have seen any van or even another open back truck, to contact the Gardaí with possibly a registration number or something like that. Okay. Now, there's also a report of theft of fuel from a parked lorry. Yes, I suppose this is unique in that we haven't had the theft of fuel from a lorry in a, long time. a vehicle in, in a long, long time. Yeah. So it, it is unique in that since it happened on the 11th of May last, that would have been a Saturday night, and into the early hours of Sunday morning, and the, the fuel was taken from a truck that was parked in the Barry Row area, Anyone that would have been passing the Lislevan or Barry Row area to contact the Gardaí in Bandon as well with any information that they may have. And theft from cars continue. Yes, um, again, thankfully, look, crime is down in, in West Cork. I suppose there is these um, unique crimes happening again at this time of the season. The unusual thing about this is that uh, I suppose the person did everything right. He put the property in the boot of the car. Um, unfortunately, the property was removed from the car in Baltimore between the 18th and 19th of May, which would have been last weekend as such, the Saturday and the Sunday. It was a boat engine. If um, Someone might have seen it, uh, someone acting suspiciously around the car or even 
carrying a boat engine between the in the early hours of the 19th of May last in the Baltimore area around the pier. Okay, well, they are thefts. We've got some criminal damage to report. A tire slashed yes, in a car. Uh, again, an unusual one, I suppose, for West Cork in general. There was a tire slashed in the Cattleton Court area of Bandon there on the 10th of May in the early hours. Again, people may have been um, around the area and returning. It would have been a Friday night. Maybe people were out socialising and returning to that area and they might have seen someone acting suspicious in that area to contact the Gardaí in Bandon. Um, moving on to Castone Bear on the 11th then of May, uh, an unusual one, I suppose, that there was two cars were keyed. And I suppose when I explain that, some fellow went along, or some person went along and keyed the side of two cars in the Mariner's View area of Castone Bear. Now, I suppose we're appealing for information in relation to that because it would have been the morning of the, the walk of the darkness into light. Okay. And there would have been a significant number of people, of people are out and about. Out and about from early morning, half three, four o'clock on. So maybe they might have seen someone going to or returning from that area that might have been acting in that small It's a particularly mean thing to do, isn't it? Because it can yes. really damage a car. Yes, and it's very expensive to fix yeah. because when you take it to a paint shop or any place like that, you probably have to repaint the whole side yeah. of that car. Yeah. And it, That's it's not cheap. It's not cheap. And then an incident that happened in Ballangiri. Yes, in the Rakaski area of Ballangiri there on the 13th or 14th. A digger was working on the site and it had six hydraulic hoses damaged between the above times on the 13th and 14th of May. Um, the driver, and the strange thing about it, when the driver arrived on the scene that morning on the 14th of May, he took the hoses, left the site and took them to get them repaired. And when he came back again at 10.30am, there was another hose and more fuel filter damage to the digger. Again, I suppose we're appealing to the public to assist us in this case, that if they saw anyone acting suspicious around that area, to contact the Gardaí and McCroom or, um, and pass on any information that they may have. And from the outset, look, we would like to thank the public for all their assistance. I know there recently we had a successful conviction um, for a criminal who, who was in possession of stolen property from uh, a number of mobi- our mobile phone shop here in Bandon last November. And he was uh, convicted to four years imprisonment there a number of weeks ago. And it, w- it is with the assistance of the public and their information that we were able to carry out these investigations. Well and done. Well done. And uh, as, we, as we've often said uh, on this slot on the programme, it's the, the smallest piece of information you might think, oh, that's of no use to the Gardaí or somebody else will report that. It yes. could be the one piece of information that you're missing. And it can be very relevant to every, any case. And look, I suppose as the Crime Prevention Officer, I would be appealing for people across the Cork West Division and across the country that if in doubt at all, make the phone call to the Gardaí and pass on that information and we can investigate it from there on then. Okay, firearms renewal. Yes, I know that uh, my colleague Sergeant Trina O'Malley covered this last week in the show or two weeks ago. Again, we're asking people that when they get their renewal notice for their firearms, to don't delay because what ha- usually happens is that they're put into a press and they're forgotten about and then they go out of date and then they're panicking with the renewal of it. As soon as they get the renewal notice, fill out the form and bring it to the local guard station and we can look after from there from the point of view of getting them renewed and out to them as soon as possible. Okay, the June Bank Holiday Weekend is the weekend after next and that's uh, going to be the weekend of the Bandon Music Festival. Yes, um, I suppose stemming on from last year where we had a number of incidents of a public order where there was uh, underage people involved in those public order instances. We're appealing to parents and all patrons and even to bus companies who are going to be bringing patrons to these festivals and in particular the Band of Music Festival coming up. Look, I suppose from a Garda point of view, we're going to be um, 
targeting the underage drinking and we'll be enforcing the Intoxicating Liquor Act in relation to underage drinking for these upcoming events and in particular for the Band of Music Festival. I suppose what I, the message I want to get out is, look, number one, the wristband that they purchased to get into the venue, it's not a form of um, proof of age or a form of identity. Just because you have the wristband to get into the event, you still need to have a proof of age and a form of identity Identity when you're going to any public house in the or any pub in the area for the festival if, you, if they're attempting to purchase drink. Okay. Um, I suppose there is there is guidelines there on the website for the Band of Music Festival in relation to uh, under-14s are free as long as they're with a, an adult and under-16s are with an adult as well. The, the, the concern that we're having is that there is a number of buses coming to these events and I suppose we're asking parents to be aware that if their children of under-18 are going on these buses to, the event, to these events, there is no drinking allowed on buses in relation to the for the public service vehicles regulations and we will be targeting those and carrying out inspections on those buses and events and people coming to these events in future. So I just want people to be aware that there will be enforcement of the Underage and the Public Order Act for the future going forward for the Band of Music Festival and we hope that everyone does enjoy themselves and that is the reason why we're yeah, doing it. And it's, it's the same for all festivals. They, you know, yes. they're, they're put on, you know, let people go out and enjoy them but there's parental responsibility. If you've young people attending these festivals you need to know what they're planning on getting up to or what they do uh, get up to. Okay, and uh, we won't have any such problems at the Bearer Cycle because no. that's uh, underway this weekend, isn't it? It's underway this weekend. It'll yeah. be starting off at approximately 9.30am in Kinmare and heading in towards the Ard Groom area and around the Bearer Peninsula and returning via to, to, to Kinmare via Glengarf. I suppose what our appeal is to for people to bear in mind that there is over 4,000 participants this year. <laughs> it's in incredible. The that has been registered so far. There, there is no road closures in place, and there will be marshals and guardi at, at particular at the busier junctions. I suppose if you are heading down to the Bear Peninsula this Saturday, plan your journey in advance. Um, make additional time for it because there will be delays with that large number. Yeah. And your various levels of cyclists, you will have the semi-professional cyclists, as we call them, and then you will have the people that are just doing it for um, a bit of fun on the on a Saturday to cycle. The so you're going to have cycling on the Bear Peninsula from possibly 9.30am in the morning till possibly 4pm that evening when we hope that the last of the cyclists will be going through Glengarf and back onto Kenmare. Okay. So we're just asking drivers to be very vigilant for cyclists and to be patient okay. and just to adhere and to all the marshals and the guards. To everybody taking part, enjoy yes. the cycle. We leave it there, James. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. And thanks for joining us. That is uh, Garda James O'Donovan, this week's uh, Garda File based in Bandon Garda Station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Denison Watergrass Hill was on to say that the councillor are cutting the grass verges at the moment which is great but he said the problem is they're mulching up the rubbish that is on the grass verges and that makes it worse and then he said they never pick up the shredded rubbish afterwards the only way to do that is to get out clean up the rubbish first then cut the grass because if you start mulching up the rubbish you're, you're shredding it aren't you and it goes absolutely everywhere uh, so Dennis contacted us this morning not a happy camper while uh, Alison was on saying Patricia did you see some of the stupid comments that were made at the mobile farm from the guy up the country who was talking about uh, 
things that people come up with at uh, when he's out with his mobile farm. It's a guy by the name of Owen uh, Sharkey. He's gone out to about more than 150 schools. He's got these wonderful mobile f- farms and it's wonderful for children to get up close and personal uh, with farm animals. So he's gone to schools but he's also been at dozens of uh, things like food fairs. He's been running this for the last four years and he's actually he actually reckons that city kids are often more knowledgeable about farm animals than some people in rural locations which really surprised me. I thought some of the stupid questions that he was going to be asked or that he was going to highlight that he was asked was going to come from city folk. It wasn't always the case and it also it wasn't always the case of the children asking the dumb questions. It was the adults had very little knowledge of what happens in rural areas or what happens on a farm. And he cited, for example, a teacher. And I emphasise, this was a teacher who was teaching in a school in County Kildare that they went to visit with the mobile farm. And the teacher asked, how much cocoa do you have to give a cow in order to get chocolate milk? And he said for a minute, he was waiting for the teacher to start laughing. And then he realised that it was a serious question from the teacher. The teacher thought that farmers fed cocoa to cows and that's where chocolate milk uh, came from. Then he was at a food fair in Dingle, which would be a rural area. And there was a lady standing there looking at his mobile farm and she pointed to the pens and she said, so is that the male cow and is that the female cow? And your man running the mobile farm said to her, sorry, what exactly do you mean? And she said, is that the male cow, the one with the horns? And then is the other one, the female cow? And he had to turn around and he said, that madam is a cow and the other animal is a goat. She actually thought the goat was a male cow. And then then he said he was at a school and he was collecting. There was a dad picking up children from the school and the dad came over and had a look at the mobile farm and was looking at the different coloured eggs and hens lay different coloured eggs it depends obviously on the uh, variety of the breed but he wanted to know why the farmer had painted some of the eggs blue and then when the farmer quizzed him this guy this dad thought that all eggs were white and that farmers then paint the edible ones brown so that when you go in and buy your eggs you're able to differentiate which are edible. Now, how the farmer was meant to know which was edible and which wasn't edible, I don't know. But just some of the dumb questions that have come up from that mobile uh, farm. Now, we don't have dumb listeners, that's for sure. We're very knowledgeable listeners and we've teamed up with the Mallow Home and Garden Show, which is Munster's biggest outdoor festival. It's happening this weekend at the Cork Racecourse in Mallow. And tomorrow on the programme, we will be picking one winner who will be picking up a Hampton three-seater Cork corner lounging set which comes with a sofa an ottoman and a coffee table it's weather resistant so you can leave it out in your garden all year round and it comes compliments of the Mallow Home and Garden Show along with the co-op superstores we have been asking you all week to guess the guest on the sofa this was somebody that featured on the programme at some stage we want to know who is this we've never really picked up anything um anything too serious if you're doing it right you you can use it for injury prevention nearly it's now, if you know who that is, we need you to text your answer, please, to 086 103 Text only, please. 86 103 We let your entries come in for about 10 minutes and then we will randomly select one of the correct answers that will go forward qualifier for today will go forward to the draw five names in the hat tomorrow and somebody walks away with that Hampton three seat corner lounging set who is this? We've never really picked up any, anything um, 
anything too serious. If you're doing it right, you you can use it for injury prevention nearly. It's and it's text only 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Femoy Musical Society, they're hosting a casting call this evening at half past seven in Femoy Community Youth Centre. It's for their upcoming production of South Pacific. Anybody wishing to get involved in the production or asked to attend if possible. They're looking for singers and dancers all are welcome. Kildallery Community Development, they've got their local weekly lotto draw. That's in Ollie's Bar tonight. €1,200. There's a table quiz in aid of Glasher Boy Drama Society that goes ahead in the Widow's Bar in Dunkettle in Glanmire. That's on tonight at 8. It's €20 per table. Bingo is in Bandon GAA Pavilion tonight. €1,200 in prize money plus they've got a jackpot of €1,040. Valley Rovers Adult Club are holding a fundraising table quiz in the Brinney Inn on Friday night. That's at nine. A great night guaranteed with food served. There will also be a raffle during the interval and teams of four, please, 40 euro. The West Cork Yarn Festival will be held in Doris Village in Bantry. That's happening this Saturday. And the Canturk Soccer Club 5K Walk and Run in association with the Johallow AC um, they are hosting the run on this Sunday, the 26th of May. Registration is from 9am in the morning in the Adele Queen Hall in Kenturk. The start time for walkers is 10am, runners is 10.15 and there's a prize for the top finishers and spot prizes at the finish line. Refreshments will be served after in the Adelquin Hall. Entry fee is €10 and family rates are also available. Now this weekend promises to be a busy one in Mallow for the annual staging of the Home and Garden Festival at the Racecourse in Mallow. Oren Kerr is from Euro Garden and Homes and he joins me to discuss what they will have on offer this weekend. Uh, good afternoon to you Oren and, and you're very welcome. You've, you've been to Mallow before, this isn't your first time coming to Mallow. Yes, thank you very much for having us, Trish. Firstly, this is my third time in Mallow. I've loved it from the outset. Brian, the boss, he's been coming from the first year for 20 years now. Yeah. So this is luckily my third. Really enjoying it. The people are fantastic. We, you know, in our own way, we see this as our holidays <laughs> in terms of the show season. We Even love getting you d- down. You do work at it, but you, but, but you manage to get some downtown we as do well. Plenty now, of work. you specialise in garden furniture. Has the outdoor room become more popular in recent years? Oh, absolutely, Trish. The past number of years, we, uh, we have just seen the demand for our stuff has just went through the roof. People are now looking outdoors. Last year in May, we had the hottest one on record. Um, and this summer promises to be very good as well. So climate change is our best friend in this business, and we are every everyone's looking outside. With our furniture, it's bespoke. The idea is our furniture doesn't just sit out for the summer months. You leave it out year round. So what the way we like to think of it, it adds value to the house. It really dresses it up. Um, it's important to note that our garden furniture. We don't sell problems, we sell solutions. It's completely maintenance free, left out year round. Um, we have a huge display at the race course. And we've come a long way from the wooden table and chairs when it comes to garden furniture, haven't we? Indeed, absolutely Trish. And you know what, people hardly have time to boil a kettle these days. They do, 
people don't want to be spending the time maintaining, oiling, sanding, taking it in, storing it. You know, the days of wooden furniture are long gone. Mm. Um, Brian, so what's popular? What's what, what's so the in thing on, on garden furniture? The big, the in thing in furniture these days is rattan furniture. Yeah, just explain now to people who don't rattan know what rattan furniture, is. Rattan furniture, people feel that it's a style. Rattan is actually a type of weave. Okay. Rattan's actually, it, previously it was natural. It was like a wicker. Yeah. But now it's moved towards uh, polyethylene, an outdoor plastic. Yeah. The furniture that we do, the rattan, is by a, a company called Harbo, a Swedish manufacturer. So we're actually the only rep for them on the island. Okay. Their furniture's all bespoke. The plastic that they use is actually the highest grade on the market, which just means fantastic durability. And it has to be to allow it to sit out when it's raining, when it's cold, in the heat of the sun. Absolutely, indeed. So it has to be, you know, UV protected up to 100 degrees. And then we have to consider the other half of the year. Mm-hmm. So rain, hail, sleet or snow, you leave this stuff sitting out, it, you don't have to worry about so you it. you don't need to cover it or anything? Do Some people do co- choose yeah. to cover it, Trish. Um, just, you know, the, the furniture we sell, it's top of the range. It's yeah. premium furniture. When people are buying premium products, they do like to they protect them. They like to look them. after them, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It is an option. And yeah. some people, my own mum and dad do it, but... The furniture, we have it on Boucher Road in Belfast. It sits out year-round at yeah, the showroom. Yeah, it does last. No problem at yeah. all. You couldn't tell the difference between a chair, a one-year-old, five-year-old. It is fantastic for the wear. And are they light or are they quite heavy? So the way I describe it, Trish, I don't describe it as light. I don't describe it it's as heavy. heavy. It's I call it manageable. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, for all ages, you're able to lift it up, no problem. We also have a cast aluminium range. It's fantastic for people on the coast. The way it's now cast aluminium is different uh to cast iron. Indeed, it used to be the old-fashioned cast iron, isn't it? That's worth noting. So it's a lot lighter cast aluminium, but it's much much stronger. Okay. And the stuff we do, it's not flat packed. It's all the one piece. Okay. But the way our cast aluminium is designed, ideal for cork. Sometimes you know you get the gales. It's porous, so the wind goes right through the back of it, right underneath the table. So, you know, we find when we're, we're in Munster and in the People's Republic, sometimes people are a little bit concerned about the wind taking things away. Mm. So the cast is a fantastic, fantastic range for that problem. If, you, if you've got a garden in a windy, exposed area. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's yeah. a 10-year guarantee with cast aluminium furniture. Okay. Um, fantastic stuff. It actually, it's very, very popular in Cork from our experience. So are you bringing a lot of stock with you? We had we had two lorry loads came down. <laughs> we have a huge display. We have some fantastic sofa suites okay. in new ships, in sea ships. We have some lovely bistro sets for couples. We have lovely six-seater tables, eight-seater tables. We have sun loungers. We have swings. We have zero-gravity chairs. We have literally every piece of garden furniture you could imagine. So uh, so there's something there for all sizes. I mean, some people will have, you know, huge space on a patio or in a garden, but others will just have a smaller space. Naturally, yeah. naturally. So if, if you're going along to a show like this, bring your dimensions with you. Isn't, isn't that, that kind would of be, the advice? Th- yeah, definitely would advise with that. And, you know, the guys we have down there, we have a brilliant team. Uh, we're furniture specialists. We know the dimensions of any piece of furniture. So you just tell us the dimensions and we'll be able to figure out what fits what for fit you. In, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're, and you're based and uh, out of Belfast. Do you do a lot of these 
festivals aren't oh absolutely we we are based in belfast we very much consider ourselves an irish business we have a fantastic team all over the country so we we last week we were in a show in the north called balmoral an agricultural show and this incoming week will be in bloom in dublin but we thought we'd bring something a little a little bit special to mallow with us so we're actually unveiling a new range of furniture this year the verona range it's a beautiful oatmeal colour, okay. a lovely light cream cushion. In this rattan again, is In it? In this rattan yeah. style, yeah. uh-huh. Um, and we're actually unveiling this at Mallow. Okay. We were going to save it for Bloom, but we th- we thought, why not? We're in the real republic. So when somebody buys from your um, display at the at the Mallow Festival, you you obviously then deliver. They're not going to bring it home with them in the, in the back of the car. How long does, does it take from purchase to delivery? Oh, absolutely. And it's worth noting, Trish, we are number one in Ireland for this bespoke furniture. We have high stock levels to accommodate the demand. Okay. Our lead times are very quick. We never like to let people down at the shows and the nature of them, they're very busy. So at the minute, we're guiding our lead times to be two to three weeks. Okay. There also is an express option on delivery. There's a, you know, there is an extra charge. We also there there are one or two display pieces we have with us that that we might sell at that Mallow as well. That people can almost take away there exactly. and then if they and have we, the we transport. We can deliver them out, you know, a few hours after the show ends yeah. on Sunday okay. evening. All right. Okay. So the lead times are brilliant. Okay. Huge stock levels. And good offers. People all, people always like to get a bargain. Oh, indeed. Indeed. We know the people in Cork love a deal and yeah. we have brought them with us. So Trish, we're actually, with all of our larger sets, we're giving out free parasols and bases. And we retail those at €150 Euro in the north. Um, and we also have some fantastic show specials. As Ben Dunn says in Dublin, price is too good to advertise. <laughs> <laughs> we have some fantastic offers, free parasols okay. and bases, okay. um, a huge range. And for those that were speaking with us last year or maybe purchase, purchase some furniture, we have new, new additions. You know, we very much believe in the customer's voice. We're constantly in conversation with our customer. And year to year, we're adding new pieces. Listening to what the customers want. Exactly. And I would say, Orin, that you would sell oil to the Arabs. So, <laughs> so, so oh. you, you will be there at, you will be there at the Euro Garden and Homes. Um, sta- uh, you can't really call it a stand because you take up so much space with all it's, the stock. Uh, we'd nearly call it, we'd proudly call it an exhibit. Trish. An exhibit. <laughs> exhibit is <laughs> a good word. Go. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Listen, enjoy it because that's what it's all about as well. Um, it's a very enjoyable uh, event. And uh, Orin, uh, thanks a million for joining Thank us. Thank you so much, Trish. Good morning Lovely to you. Lovely to speak to you. Hello, this is Rod Stewart. We've given it away. The Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play on C103. Hi there. Hi, what's your name? Marie. What's your surname, Marie? Phelan. And where are you from, Marie Phelan? I'm from Dunmire. Marie Phelan. You just won 3,000 So, congratulations to Marie Phelan from Glanmire for winning €3,000 on the Rod Stewart 3K Triple Play. And stay listening for the best way to win big on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
Staying with our preview of the Mallow Home and Garden Show, which is on all across this weekend. Also taking part is the Outdoor Living Monster uh, Group. Uh, they're based in uh, Kilworth and uh, joining me is the owner, uh, Jer Baker. Good afternoon to you, Jer. Good afternoon, Patricia. Jer, you're, you're welcome. I see on your website you're a supplier of artificial grass. How popular has that become in recent years? Yeah, after the, for the last few years now, it's gone very popular with people, with dogs or with children or just to put back in maintenance for, for gardens, you know. And it's come on a long way from when it first came out. When, when it, I mean, a lot, some of the artificial grass almost looks real. Yeah, we use a 38mm high uh, artificial grass, which is very realistic. And it looks like the real thing, really, you know. And you supply and fit it, I'm assuming, do you? We supply and fit for this fitting service as well. Okay, you're also um, a supplier of garden sheds and storage solutions. Yeah, we do biohort garden sheds. Uh, they're imported from Austria. We have some of those in this, on one of our main gardens here in Mallow for the weekend. And um, storage units as well. And patios. Are people still going for patios? Are they as popular as ever? Yeah, the patios are very popular. And uh, we do... Um, a lot of we do the elite range of fencing. It's um, made in Castle Bellingham um, in near Northern Ireland, and um, we have the Lock Rammer fencing, and it comes in ten colours and uh, with four trellis designs, and heights up to two point one meter high. And what's different with so with some of your fencing is no maintenance or little or no maintenance yeah. because I think everyone's leading busy lives. Yeah, there's no maintenance and. Uh, you have a 25 year guarantee as well with those you know and uh, we have uh, people with concrete hedge post in we have brought out a new product it's the Kalali uh, smart fence which uh, replaces the timber panels in the hedge post so it's a it's a DIY kit it's available in the hardware shops so if people want to cut out the painting of timber panels they can um, fit these um, um, the Kalali fence panels instead Okay are you have you headed out to the race course yet have you, are you set no, up I'm, or? I'm, I'm speaking from Oh are you <laughs> I was I'm wondering there was some noise in the background yeah, <laughs> I, I was trying to find a quiet spot there's music Okay there. And how is it looking? Yeah it's coming together now the final touching there's a bit of planting to be done but um, hopefully everything will be good it's like people are in here at the moment but um, I think the weather forecast is improving over the weekend. Yeah, get the rain out of the way today and it'll be fine. It'll be fine, hopefully, for, for the weekend. So have you taken part before in this weekend, um, Ger? Yeah, we are, we are 14 years here. We have we have our products in four of the, the permanent gardens here in the, in the garden show. And that's what makes this so unique, isn't it, the permanent gardens? The permanent gardens, yeah. You can. What we try to replicate is the uh, our products in a typical back garden. You know, we have a shed sheds on the canopy in one of our gardens with the artificial grass and the fencing and uh, people can get uh, ideas from that for their own garden then. Okay, well listen, uh, enjoy the weekend as well Jerk, because it's about enjoying as, as, as well. Uh, so thank you for that and thanks for joining us. 
Okay, uh, good afternoon okay. to you. Bye bye, bye bye. That is uh, Ger Baker, who is with Outdoor Living in Munster. And my qualifier for our competition for the Mallow Home and Garden uh, uh, show in association with Co-op Superstores, where tomorrow we're giving away the Hampton three-seater corner lounging set. And our qualifier today is Maria Kirby from Blarney. And the answer was, of course, Paul O'Donovan even though a number of people uh, opted for Gary O'Donovan. It was Paul O'Donovan. And looking at some of the entries, people covered all their options by sending in two entries, one with Paul's name on it and one with Gary, where Paul is the answer. So Marie Kirby in Blarney, congratulations. You are our qualifier for today. One more qualifier to go tomorrow and then we will make the draw for the Hampton three-seater corner lounging set. Thanks to the Mallow Home and Garden Show and the Co-op Superstores in Mallow. And I'm delighted to say our resident gardener, Peter Dowdle, joins me in studio uh, to look ahead of what people can expect at the Garden Festival. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, uh, Chris. How are you? Are you, are you? I'm very well and thank you for coming to the studio. It was only yesterday I realised the Garden Festival was first launched in 1999. So it's 20 years. 98. 98. 98. Uh, I remember being at the the the, the very first, first one. one. I'm hesitating now myself. But I'm, I'm fairly sure, sure it was 98. Okay, we're going to jump Paul to check. I'm sure it's somewhere 99, but I won't argue with it over a year. Either which way, 20, 21 years. Oh, well, it's, it's entering adulthood regardless. But, yeah. but do you remember when it first started? People were saying, Ugh, will this work? Will this be a one-off? You yeah. know what I mean? People were really doubting it in many ways. They were. And I remember back, whether it be in 98 or 99, I remember it It really started off with a big, huge affair. There was, I remember the big wheel. There, there was hot air balloons. It was real fanfare. And... I don't think in anyone's wildest dreams they would have seen it still going strong. No, it's it's gone through several changes and several transitions and it's maybe changed direction a few times. But at the core remains these permanent gardens and plants. It's a plants person's show. Uh, And I don't think back in the last century, the last years of the last century... Uh, anyone would have seen it still going from strength to strength 20 odd years later yeah so it's brilliant and is that the real key to the success those permanent mm. gardens I mean you were just back from Chelsea Chelsea mm. would kill to have permanent gardens like that wouldn't they they would they would uh, uh, I think any flower show it's what makes it different let's say put it that way that um, show gardens aren't always real life if you like in that you have well, particularly in the case of, of Chelsea vast budgets mm. Um and, you know, the great and the good are coming to see what can be done. So vast budgets are put in to create, as I call it, show business. What's different about Mallow is it's real, it's reality. There, you know, yeah. okay, it's showtime as well. So there, there is budgets behind it to do up the gardens and everyone's trying to show off their wares and the designers are trying to show their best. But you have this permanency uh, of the trees and hedgerows and things they, that were planted mature, 20 years ago. They're maturing. Exactly. Which is, which is fantastic. And then they change. I mean, they while do, they're yeah. permanent gardens, they haven't just been left. No, and the framework, the trees, and, and this is like if it was in your own garden, you might have, you might have developed a garden 20 years ago. Now, 20 years later, you have different needs or you might just have different tastes and you want to, you know, you totally want to rechange your garden. But you're unlikely to change the, the trees and the hedges. Mm. They're probably going to stay like they were 20 years ago. So that's what gives Mallow that bit of a an edge over other shows in, that it has this. And whilst, as you say, what what's underneath gets recreated and tweaked, the, the actual framework is, is maturing all the time. And that's what makes it great. And the other I, thing that makes Mallow great uh, or that gives it an edge over everything else is the specialist nursery area because that's really where it comes into its own. I think, now I, I'm, I haven't double checked this, but I think there's probably more specialist nurseries selling in Mallow than any other show in the country. I'm not yeah. 100% on that, but I mean, it's a 
pretty impressive lineup. Yeah, and the amount is that's the one thing that would blow you away if you're going in for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. to see all 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 of the plants. And is the festival is it for the as much for the expert gardener as it is for the novice gardener? Yes, because you have. Uh, you have the, the likes of myself and I wouldn't regard myself as an expert I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather refer to myself as an anorak because I do like <laughs> particular you know plant hunting and looking for particular plants so I will get there early uh, tomorrow um, to, to to see the best of what the, the nurseries have and to you know to, to really root through them the early bird and all that uh, so I'll be rooting through them and there'll be other anoraks like myself coming for particular types of cacti particular succulents particular whatever the plant is uh, Kilmurray Nurseries will be there and they always have a fantastic display the potting shed from Camolan, um Phil Havercroft with his peonies and alliums that, that I'll be looking at all of these and looking to get the, the newest one that I don't have or may not have Pontoon Nursery from County Mayo they always have great stuff as well um, but equally you don't have to you don't I mean if you're listening to what I'm saying now and that's all double dutch to me you know if you've never set foot in this wonderful world of gardening before don't there's still plenty to see in Mallow and there's plenty of help you don't have to to like I'm always saying this to you Trish is you know gardening is no mystery put something in the ground give it water give it sunshine it'll grow you don't need to know the name it doesn't mm. matter as so long mm. as you like what it looks like. And that's what Mallow is. It's not a highbrow show. It's not, you don't have to be an expert gardener to enjoy it. If you are an expert gardener, you Great. enjoy it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's so many experts on, on hand. And it's the one thing I always notice when I go to, the, go to the show is watching all the interactions that are going on. Ask the question. You can see people queuing up. Yeah. There's always, for example, whenever I try to catch you a ride, there's normally a queue of people and you can see they're all waiting. It's, well, my next to my next. But, like, but use that opportunity to talk to the experts absolutely. that are there. Absolutely, yeah. And the seminar room, which is where I'll be on uh, tomorrow at two o'clock. Now, unfortunately, as I said to you yesterday, I'm only there on Friday this year at two o'clock in the seminar room. Um, but the seminar room, which is where the talks and demonstrations take place, is nearly developed into a show in its own right. Mm. Um, and there are definitely other shows in the country would kill to have what's happening in the seminar room because yeah. you don't see that at too many shows really where you have so many people experts in different fields imparting their advice totally free of charge um, but then as you also say outside of the seminar room just walking around the gardens talking to landscapers talking to gardeners talking to garden centre owners all these are all experts and these all have the answers so absolutely use the opportunity now because everybody that's there is only too happy to the gardeners we're, we're a nice bunch of people we're happy yeah. enough to impart our you yeah. know we, we like sharing the information isn't just for us if I can answer your question I'll answer it if I can't I can't yeah. but if I can, and I if you can't there's probably going to be somebody else there that you can point to yes. to say I don't have the answer but he'll see him over there yeah. he'll know the answer or her. yeah or her <laughs> indeed or, indeed or, or her and it's very much a family event. I know I've been mean, the pet show, for example, goes on every year. You very much welcome the kids coming along. Yes, I, I think so. And I think that's something I referred to earlier, you know, that it may have gone through several transitions, transitions and changes and developments over the year. And now it has developed into you have all we're talking about in terms of horticulture, garden design, plants. Uh, you have the, the vintage car rally. You have the artisan food market, which I'm delighted to see because <laughs> I do enjoy my artisan food. Yeah. There's uh, always great food. There is, yeah, and you you yeah. have you have, you have, you have the the dog shows. I, I think we yeah, certainly the did last shows, year. Yeah, the dog shows, yeah. and it's just yeah. going from strength to strength. There's so much to do. Plus, you have kids' amusements, and, and obviously kids the home exhibition area. There's loads of different things on on display and on, yes, on sale. In yes, there yes, as yes. Well, and yeah. of course you have the marquee with all them. I, mean, I haven't even mentioned the marquee yeah. with all their exhibitors. Yeah. yeah. Have you been out there yet, or are you on your are you I'm on the way? On route. You're on route. On route. You're, you're, yeah. you're on route. Um, so you've got a question and answer session tomorrow at 2, is it 2? 2 p.m. 2 p.m. in the seminar room. Uh, it's, it's 
less questions and answers and more. I'll be giving a demonstration about uh, gardening pleasures, I think is the title of the talk. But I'll be talking about some of the best plants at the show. And if you do, if something does take your fancy, how to use it in your own garden. Oh, so, that's good. You know, how, how to, okay, you might have seen this in that stand, but... How, how will that work into my own garden? So I'll hopefully try and uh, help people to avoid some of the pitfalls they can run into. And then, yes, of course, I'll be in hand afterwards for okay. questions as well. Yeah. All right. Somebody's just saying uh, it's interesting that you just had a chat with the other gentleman about the artificial grass. What's mm. Peter's view on artificial grass? <laughs> Everything has it, its it, place. It has a place. It <laughs> does. Has yeah, if you have a very mucky yeah. area yeah. or an area where yeah. you just the grass won't grow for you. Yeah, everything has its place. Yeah. Um, it's come on a lot. It has. Com- it is yeah. improved a lot in, in quality. In terms of quality and aesthetics, it has improved yeah. an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. You, you don't have any in your garden, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> How important are events like this to the horticultural industry to have a, a festival like this that's Vital. rocking Vital. on for 20 years? Uh, it's it's a chance for everyone in, in my industry, our industry, in the horticulture industry, to, to show themselves off and, you know, to expo for what they do, if you like. So... Uh, it's great. I mean, like as I would often say to people, oh, you know, in the in the industry, should should I exhibit at Mallow? And I said, well, if you think about it, how many people would be at Mallow? How long would it take to get that many people into your store? And that's the way to look at it. So it's 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 a huge g up to 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 everybody in the gardening industry, both be that garden design, landscapers, garden centres. It's also a huge g up, or should be a huge g up, to the town of Mallow and mm. the surrounding areas. Uh, as I often say, it's like having a Croke Park final in in, the, in terms of numbers. It brings so many people year, in. You yeah. know? Um, so, I, yeah, I think, Mallow, the show needs to be supported. It is supported. Thankfully, the numbers keep going from strength to strength. I mean, you'll see the traffic jam there on Thursday yeah. evening coming out of the place. Uh, it's... Um, it's it's very very important and it's 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 great to see it not just still going but getting better each year. And I've noticed in recent years, and maybe it's to do with the housing crisis, because people are not moving. Mm. Uh, people are of a tendency to look at what they have. Gardens now have become that extra room. Well, people are saying, yeah. you know, "Well, let's look. We're not going to move, so let's invest in what we have." And that's a huge benefit, isn't it? People are doing up their gardens. It is. And people are beginning to see the benefit of, or not beginning, people, people do see the benefit of, as you call it, the outdoor room. And in, in most instances, that's the biggest room in the house. Mm. If you look at it that yeah. way, the garden is the biggest room in the house and, and probably uh, the cheapest room to decorate, if yeah. you like. In terms of, uh, I was with the, with the, a design client of mine there recently. We were looking at the garden. We were having a conversation similar to this. And I was saying, if you look at it in terms of cost, whatever it was going to cost to do that garden. I said, if you if you look at per square metre, how much it costs to fit out your kitchen and translated that into the garden, well, then you'll be into the, the tens, if not hundreds of thousands, Absolutely. you know. So it is actually the cheapest room. And it gives such pleasure being out in the garden, Trish. It, it, it just being out there improves your mental health. Mm. It offers us the answers to nearly all our, our first world urban problems, I feel like. It helps with our mental health. It helps physical health. And that's everything from the aerobic workout that a day in the garden will give you uh, to the fresh fruit and veg that you'll take from the plants. It obviously has a huge role to play in climate change. It has a huge role to play in promoting biodiversity and thus slowing the rate of species extinction. The garden, our green environment, nature, call it whatever you want, has all the answers. If only we'd learn learn from it. And, and I think we've lost our way to a huge, huge... Um, huge extent at the moment because uh, the, the, the you know things are beginning to crumble and we need to look back and, to the green and that's why it's important to get children involved because they are they are the next generation Absolutely. this is what we're leaving behind Absolutely. for for them and children love to be out in the garden we all as children 
loved to garden. Yeah. I don't know of any child under five, let's say, that doesn't love pottering around and getting their hands dirty in the yeah. garden. Yeah. And many of us grow out of it. Uh, many of us, like myself, don't. Uh, we get more and more into it. Uh, a lot grow out of it, but it's it's very, very important that children are exposed to it, be that at home in their own garden or be that in school. And I would be absolutely adamant that if there was anybody from the Department of Education ever listening, this should be on the curriculum in primary schools, getting children involved. It, because we look at it as we look at the garden and the people who people who don't work in gardening tend to look at the garden and the green environment as oh something out there for other people to worry about it's not this has an influence on what we do every day of our lives if the garden and if the if the the, the green environment isn't doing well we don't have clean air to breathe we don't have good food to eat so it's incumbent on all of us to learn how to to do it properly very few of us want to actively damage the outdoors mm. but if we don't know what our impacts are having we don't know that we might be damaging it. So getting children involved and getting children out there and they love putting in the sunflowers and watching them grow. They love putting yeah. in the vegetable plants and they, they love it and it should be encouraged and absolutely bring the kids, encourage them to wander into the gardens, wander with them, have fun with them outside. Yeah, that's what it's all about and please God, fingers crossed, the weather will be fine because it's been, uh, there's for many years it's been kind. There's only been one or two years where it was where I don't it was remember yeah, a year I think with was, the bad weather. There was one, one, one of the days but then it's rare that you get all three days. The sun is normally shining and I know for tomorrow there's rain in the morning but then it's going to brighten up throughout the day which is perfect. You need the rain in the morning, don't you? you Water do. all the plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll be bright at two o'clock. And then sunshine <laughs> for the rest of the afternoon. Listen, enjoy it, uh, Peter. As always, pleasure to have you in studio and we'll chat to you next Wednesday in your regular slot on the programme. Thank you for that. Thanks, that is uh, Peter Daddle and the Mallow Home and uh, Garden Festival officially gets underway tomorrow at the Cork Race Course in Mallow and runs until Sunday the 26th. That's where I leave you for today. Back with you tomorrow at 10. Nick Richards is next. Thanks to Jump Paul for producing.